Welcome to the Beers and Miles podcast, where we talk about beers, miles, and whatever magic, whatever we manage to jump off topic with. My name's Chris, and uh, we are back pretty quickly. Uh, we are doing multiple episodes now, like I'm getting back into the swing of things, and I'm excited to be um, just getting this going. Uh, as we do every time we are opening up a beer, we've already opened up a beer. We got a uh, beer from... I believe they're from New York, if I remember correctly. Um, it's Grim. Uh, Grim Vacay Dry House Sour Ale. Um, this was provided to me by Keen. She went out for the uh, Wine Glass Marathon and ended up just giving me, uh, getting me a couple beers. And I didn't really think she'd be able to pick up one of these that I liked. So, uh, or didn't really expect to see any Grim. So... <laughs> It's awesome. Um, as always, if you are a long-time listener, um, not a first-time commenter, or not a commenter at all, uh, shoot us a shoot us a comment. Shoot us a comment on one of our posts. Shoot us a uh, five-star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It really gets the podcast going more than just our local area. We like our locals, but we like to get this out more a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's start with the uh, cheers to glass. I've actually never had this beer, so cheers, Chris. cheers. And as you can hear, we have another person here. Uh, we have, um, I don't really think I have a, a name for this series, uh, just because this is something that uh, I've been wanting to do for quite a while. Uh, and really, it's, I, I tell this story, I don't think I've told the story here, but I moved out to, kind of a little back backstory, I moved out to Columbus, Ohio in 2016. Um, I had gone to grad school I moved from California to grad school in Tiffin went there for two years moved my way down to um moved right down to Columbus and I kind of messed up by picking the wrong place to live it was fun but I didn't know that uh the street that I lived on Chittenden was a party street for college kids so I was just kind of just I'm at a grad school and I'm like I'm now living in a house that at one point had nine people in a duplex. So uh, within the first couple of months, I had pretty much was getting to the last point of like me being when you want to be there. Uh, I hadn't really met too many people. And uh, if I did, it was pretty much college kids. So I was having a really tough time to get to know people. And I decided to go online and search for some running cl- clubs. I was kind of a little bit not burnt out to say for about running competitively, but I wanted to find the fun in it again, end up searching some groups, and uh, sure enough, I found one group here, and we'll go into detail about it, but I can say for certain that if it wasn't for those groups, I probably wouldn't have been in Columbus. I gave it, that was my last shot in February of 2017, was I'm going to give this Columbus a full shot, get to know the area, and uh, I've been here ever since, and it's my home, it's, it's what I've it's something that I, I I pride myself being a Columbus local now, um, and yeah, my friends always ask, "Why are you, are you ever going to come back to California?" I'm like, "Have you seen how much fun I'm having here?" <laughs> but with that being said, I want to introduce you guys to uh, Brian Free. He is the founder of the Short North Running Club. Uh, we, Short North Running Club has been going on for over eight years now. Over eight years. So we hit 420... I think we're at 427 runs. 427 runs. So welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you here. Thanks, Chris. So we start this off with every one of our guests, getting to know them a little bit. So um, are you... I don't... 
You're not a Columbus local, are you? I am not. Uh, I moved here uh, from Washington, D.C. Uh, with my wife shortly after we got married. Uh, I had run with a number of different running clubs back in Washington, D.C. when I was there. And uh, came here to Columbus, and there was a bit of an empty spot in the market. Um, we had caught up with one group that, candidly speaking, wasn't much of a running club and wasn't a whole lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife got tired of me sitting around the house sulking and uh, said, well, why don't you just start your own running club? So uh, that was uh, <laughs> the um, catalyst for me uh, getting things going. So let's take a step back there. Uh, how did you get into running? Was I, I guess, how did you get into uh, even joining the run clubs in, in D.C.? We don't know as far as like our local where I, a lot of people listen from Columbus, but uh, I have some friends from D.C., but how explain how you got into running and just even the D.C. running scene works. So a lot of people in D.C. run. Uh, there's uh, multiple running clubs. Um, I had started out with uh, an international group called the Hash House Harriers. Um, uh, shortly after I had moved to Washington, D.C. in 2000, uh, pretty much looking around for friends, uh, didn't really know anybody there. And uh, I was a little bit of a runner from my time in the military, uh, but it wasn't a re real focus in my life at that point. Uh, I think I had actually seen a newspaper article about the running clubs there and just decided to show up. And then the rest was history. So I ran with the uh, Hash House Harriers there in Washington, D.C. for uh, about 11 years before um, uh, moving here to Columbus. And so as soon as you come out here, how did you find out, I guess, even figuring out run clubs in this area, how did that come to be? Like, how, well, how was it like? I mean, <laughs> like at this point, you could find, I think a capital was like 30 or 40 run clubs now, but how was it like when you moved in here? There were very few, and the ones that were around uh, were generally um, very heavy on the training and competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't hard to find a group that wanted to run seven miles at a 7.30 pace on a Saturday morning. But as far as uh, kind of the social laid-back running club, it didn't seem to exist in Columbus at that time. Hmm. So at that point, let's go, I guess we go back to the story. Um, you're, I mean, soaking on the couch. At what point did you say, you know what, let's do it myself? Well, yeah, uh, my wife encouraged me to do it, and... Um, I think it was uh, March of 2013, uh, put together a, um, uh invitation on uh, meetup.com and actually posted some flyers at a couple of bars and gyms, and um, we, we got the whole thing going. I think our first run uh, had six people show up, and it just happened to be March Madness. Uh, the first bar <laughs> we went to was Bernard's, which is a sports bar here in Columbus. So the six of us show up. The bar is absolutely slammed shoulder to shoulder because Ohio State's playing. I hadn't thought that through. <laughs> and, uh, well, turns out people had enough fun that uh, I think almost all of them showed back up for the second run. And even to today, out of the six people uh, that were at the first one, three of us are still coming on a very regular basis. Who are the other two? Well, Lisa and okay. uh, uh, Nick Bruce. Oh, what? Yeah, he was at the very first <laughs> run. That's awesome. I absolutely love Nick. Yep. That's great. Oh, wow. Now, it, you get your first one. Let's say, like, how did you feel after that first, that first time? I mean, you, you, well, 
you took a really, really, I guess, a, I guess, guerrilla marketing approach, just like flyers <laughs> everywhere and going from there. But like, how did you feel after the first one? Because it says it's a lot of planning, but when it happens, it's different. Uh, mostly relieved that people actually showed up and had a decent time. Uh, even you know, as you're leaving the first one, there's still a lot of questions in your head. It's when you show up to the second and third and fourth and people continue to come back. It's like, all right, I think we've got something here. So how was when you made the first run? I get it's a lot of people ask about creating the different run clubs in there. And it's a lot of the reason why I really wanted to have you on this is setup. So anybody can say we're going to do a run club, but there's a lot of little, there's a lot of logistics that go involved that are not really thought about. So let's break this down. Day of the week, how'd you decide that? Time, how'd you decide that? Bar itself and then even route. How is that done? <laughs> Uh, so a lot of it comes back to the kind of original concept I was going for. I wanted it to be kind of a social thing. So in DC, I had, um, run with a group that had gone on Thursdays and there were different clubs, different days of the week, but Thursdays seemed to fit fairly well. Uh, you're far enough along in the week that, um, uh, people want to go to a bar on Thursday. They feel like they've already been in their houses or, you know, been at work for a good chunk of the week and they're ready to relax. Um, you know, Monday's laundry night, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, eh, who knows, but it's, it's hard to convince people that they want to go uh, hang out at a social event sometimes. And then Friday and Saturday are pretty much out because you would expect people to have plans. Mm -hmm. Sunday is a day of rest, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so Thursday, we zeroed in on that. Um, the actual time of meeting, there was some debate on the uh, early end of things. Um, uh, it's got to be, of course, after people get out of work, but we didn't want to start it too late, uh, such that people get home, want to eat dinner, and just kind of get settled in and say to heck with it on the run. Uh, so our uh, start time is 6.30. Uh, we all meet up, and then 6.45, we actually go out for the run. Um, as far as the routes go, uh, one of the big things is having, uh, well, mixing things up, mm -hmm. uh, having a lot of variety. And uh, just with a different bar each week, um, it's by, by the nature of it, puts us in different parts of town. So you're required every single week to think through a good trail. And, uh, you know, what makes a good trail? Ideally, people aren't having to stop at too many traffic lights. Uh, in the wintertime when it's dark, uh, we, we try to stay in better lit parts of town. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, stay off the, the dark, spooky trails, so on and so forth. Yeah, and that's keeping in mind that we have people of all levels of ability. And, um, you know, of course, there's uh, men and women, and we don't want to put any, anybody in a position where they're feeling uncomfortable based on the, uh, the conditions of the trail. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as bars go, the criteria early on was pretty easy because there were, you know, in the first few months, maybe 15 people tops. Um, uh, as we got bigger, uh, you know, leading up to the start of the pandemic, we're pretty regularly getting 30 to 40 people showing up. So um, we, we got it wrong a few times, but uh, in general, need a bar that is sized and staffed appropriately for that quantity of people. And uh, also wants us there. And the other people in the bar have to be comfortable with it. Um, 
we had a couple times where we went to a place that were a little bit too fancy, and uh, turns out she packed 35 sweaty runners into a bar <laughs> <laughs> after, yeah, after a run, and everyone's sweating and maybe smelling a little bit. Um, we, we certainly found some places that weren't too happy to have us around. Mm-hmm. So we try to be very careful with that. And um, uh, because we rotate through the group and different people set the trail uh, each week, We've also found that just because it may be somebody's favorite bar does not make it appropriate for the running club. <laughs> it's got to be a good balance. <laughs> no, absolutely. That would make a ton of sense. Now, um, was that the original name for the club? The Short North Running Club, yes. So day one, it was Short North Running Club. Day one, correct. <laughs> so was, I guess, the area too, because we have... We have the bar area, which is, well, I mean, for people that don't know Columbus, describe the Short North for them. Uh, Short North, um, it has a main road running to it, through it that is, uh, refer, well, it's High Street. And High Street goes north to south through the entire lengths of the city. And it's sort of the center of commerce. Um, uh, as you get through different neighborhoods, <clears throat> the bars are often centered around High Street and uh, various retail. Uh, so the Short North is... The center of the party part of Columbus, and then um, High Street is the absolute center of that. So uh, as you're walking up and down, there's, I'll just say, tens or dozens of bars and restaurants, um, always stuff going on, always things to do down there, and people all over the place. It's better than I ever could have said it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So short or... That entire area was like very much for the beginning. Like this is exactly what we're going to do it. Yes. So at so coming out of that, you had your first one at Bernard's. Mm-hmm. After that, did you already know? Hey, next bar, we're going to pick a different bar. Did you have it already kind of planned out, or how how did it go from there? Well, one of the things that I wanted to do because I was relatively new to Columbus at that time, I didn't didn't know the different parts of town, hadn't been to a ton of places. So variety was the key. So we actually went for the first year, the first 52 runs, without repeating a bar. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sadly, a lot of those places aren't even around anymore. But uh, that, that um, did push us out of the short north neighborhood. Uh, but yeah, for those of you that aren't familiar with um, Columbus, uh, roughly a mile north of the short north, you're into the campus uh, part of town. And then uh, just north of that, there's a Clintonville section also just full of bars and restaurants and even heading uh south from the short north is downtown and german village once again plenty of bars plenty of restaurants and great access to the trails um in addition to the uh uh trails that we do have here in columbus there are a number of streets that are just very easy to run on um uh not intensive as far as traffic or traffic lights go and um, just a lot of pretty neighborhoods that you can uh, uh, get in your three to five miles without it being uh, too painful for the group. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, a, that's a thing that, like, that's, that's really got, got to a lot of us. And was it something that was, like, planned out from the very beginning, that that was the intention of, like, you have – the city seems to be full of transplants, me and you both being transplants exactly. from different areas – but it's been an amazing way to be able to actually explore the city. And was that the intention of it coming from the very beginning? That really was, yes. Uh, some of it was uh, for my own uh, 
personal satisfaction and uh, you're learning my way around. Uh, but once the club was set up with that uh, as kind of a focus, uh, everybody really picked up on that. And I think it's greatly appreciated. Because we've seen um, a handful of bars over the years try to start their own running clubs, mm -hmm. but they'll start in the same place every single time, do the same trail every single time. And there have been a couple that have been successful, I think Hoofhart being a good example, but there was a whole bunch of them that weren't. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, I think it's really been uh, one of the keys to our success is just the variety. Yeah, and I would agree with that. It's for a little bit for us. It was it was a bit tough as well because at a certain point you do have people took the same route. It's three miles only. There's not any variation. Mm -hmm. And I would say it was a bit of a tough thing. And it, <clears throat> and I do think it does involve. You have to you have to be able to pivot with it a little bit and be able to understand what your weakness is. For us, the weakness was lack of variety. Uh, yes. We've thought about different routes on our end thought about it over the years but for some reason like it's just so simple for us to be to say hey same route everybody knows it goes we don't have to do any printing anything like that and then we have the half off <coughs> special for us but also it's involved a lot of effort from kind of some of the key people within it to just continue to talk to people and continue to make it a, an experience for them because at the end of the day like they're not exploring the city they're exploring yes. the same route so like something for us like that's something we've had to work with now for you guys coming into your first year, um, at that point you have some regulars, um, and so there it, there's a big difference between having just a group of like probably like for us it was during during the winter season we had probably four or five during the winter just hung out but like it's a big difference in having the same like six people hanging out to it growing into thirty to forty so um, at what point did you kind of see the 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 growth of it and seeing it more like hey, we're not just seeing you from Meetup. We've heard about you guys as well. How quickly was that starting to go? I think it was our second year. So we were probably, you know, 50 to 60 mm -hmm. runs in. And, uh, yeah, the first year we picked up a little bit. Like I said, mm -hmm. we were probably uh, just in the 15 to maybe 20 on the high side range uh, through the first summer and fall. And then, of course, things always drop off mm -hmm. a little bit in the wintertime. Um, Columbus does get pretty cold and... There is no shortage of fair weather runners, here, <laughs> as I'm sure you've seen as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, springtime came around of 2014, and the numbers really did start to pick up at that point. And through the summer of 2014, we were doing pretty good. Uh, I think that's about the same time we decided to drop off of uh, meetup.com. Um, a couple of reasons on that. They... Uh, it changed around some of their policies, so it was going to be very expensive for us. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of people sign up uh, for the emails, mm -hmm. um, but uh, they were many of them either came once or didn't come at all. Mm -hmm. But uh, their configuration started to charge you a significant amount of money, I think, when you had more than 500 people on your uh, uh, email list. So we uh, closed that down, but by then we were... Um, well enough known that uh, we had a website and our Facebook page, mm -hmm. uh, as well as email distribution lists, and we were able to uh, keep everything going uh, through those three um, uh, social media platforms. So this is these things tend to not be made solo. Did uh, you have any? Did you have any <laughs> people that right away were like, "I want to help"? It was pretty close. So initially, I'd say for. 
at least the first six months I was doing everything myself because I just wanted it to uh, follow a specific format and for people to get used to that format. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, towards the end of the first year, I did find people that were willing to pick up uh, different, different parts of the management. So we did uh, officially put together a management team. Um, uh, Nick takes care of a lot of our social media. Uh, he runs a website. Um, Dan does our trail coordination, so mm-hmm. he um, he's diligent and organized, and he uh, uh, pokes people when it's their turn to set a run, <laughs> make sure that they get everything turned in on time, and does kind of the first pass screening uh, to make sure that what they're getting ready to do kind of fits uh, <laughs> fits with the rest of the club. Uh, Kim, you know mm-hmm. Kim, uh, she is our treasurer. We do have a little bit of a bank account. It's not a ton of money, but uh, uh, there's been a few hundred bucks sitting around for you know, a bunch of years now. So we have the ability to uh, uh, front money for events. Mm-hmm. Or um, uh, Previously, we've had T-shirts done up. Um, might do it again. Haven't mm-hmm. done that in a little while. Nice. So as far as like early on, were there any frustrations that came about? Because it's, it's everybody sees run clubs, they like, and and it's like, oh, you guys got a bunch of people, but there's, it's not always sunshine and daisies. No, but realistically speaking, from an organizational standpoint, I think one of the big things for me is that we've been able to divide up the labor, you know, among the people mm-hmm. that I've uh, mentioned, such that it doesn't get frustrating from an organizational mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, you know, there's the occasional run that just doesn't go very well mm-hmm. for one reason or another. You know, trail wasn't well thought out. Um, bar for one reason or another didn't work out. But in general, um, I'd say on a week-to-week basis, we all have little parts that we take care of that make things go very smooth. And even back towards the beginning, there were very few things... And I can't even think of a good example of any of them that were particularly frustrating. You know, it's um, just understanding the level of effort that's necessary mm-hmm. to make it work and making sure that we're getting it right almost every single time. Yeah. So I, I did have a question that kind of comes into this uh, pretty early on already. Um, it's The question is, when was the first time you, re- you took it in and realized you were doing something awesome? <laughs> you know, it was probably about the time that we started to do events beyond just the running club. So I think uh, fall of 2013, we hosted our first tailgates, and that really kind of brought it home that we had a social club that wasn't just um, a running club, you know, it was, uh, people that actually wanted to hang out with each other and be around each other. And we've been doing uh, social events in, in addition to the runs ever since, and they tend to be very popular. Um, it really just yeah, drives it home that it, that it is truly a community more than just a, eh, I'm going to go out for a run and, and leave it behind after that. So. How did that go about as far as that decision to say it's not just Thursday anymore let's go make an, make our first event <laughs> that's an interesting question because that was a long time 
Wow. You know, I I would have to assume that it started out as general conversation at one of the runs and then just kind of grew from there. Um, I can't say I have a specific memory of it, but that seems probable. Uh, kind of the same thing with um, uh, the, the pub crawls. That we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are always good. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we... Um, uh, yeah, just sort of morphed into it somehow or another. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when, when, you, when you host one of those events and you know, 60 or 70 people show up, it's like, all right, this was successful. This is something uh, that everybody enjoys, everybody wants to do, and we'll keep on doing it. That's awesome. And, and so now you're <clears throat> a couple years deep into this, and I think at that point you probably have it like, all right, we got our, we got our, our system about these things more. Um, there's a couple bars that I know just from, and I, I feel like it, it's, it's well, well worth it to shout them out even right. Like just even early on right now is, um, who, who are your, your big hitters that were like, this is a bar that really supported us and a bar that we'd love going back to. Uh, Gresso's down in German village. Zeno's right here, right here, um, in the Harrison West neighborhood. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of them that have been um, just very friendly every time that we go in. Uh, the Hey Hey Bar, mm-hmm. um, Gasworks Brothers, uh, Outer End loves us uh, up uh, up around campus. <laughs> little Bar has always been great to us. Uh, haven't done Big Bar in a little while, but they were always really good to us as well. Nice. Um, yeah, so there's been a whole bunch of them. Yeah. How does it go about as far as... I guess going into more of the technical stuff of it, um, how does it go about actually pitching or I guess intro- or introducing the club to a specific venue? Uh, so we do ask that whoever is uh, setting the run for the week uh, call ahead to the bar. Um, and that is a simple phone call just saying, hey, we're, we're going to show up on Thursday, 630 uh, 20 to 30 people or you know, whatever we believe the number is going to be on a given day mm-hmm. and uh, just letting them know that we're going to be there. It's a common courtesy thing so they can um, plan and staff appropriately. And, and we also have had a couple of instances over the years where bars have had private events. Um, Brewdog was a good mm-hmm. example one time uh, that people hadn't planned for, didn't call ahead and you show up and it's a bit of a problem. Uh, fortunately, it hasn't you know, been a total deal mm-hmm. breaker, but um, we do just try as a common courtesy to let the bars know that we're coming. And these days, I won't say all, but many of them are familiar with us. So when we say Short North Running Club, you know, there's at least a little bit of recognition mm-hmm. there. It's, it's not a, a total surprise. Absolutely. And how, as far as somebody that's been, been around for this for a while, is somebody were to do it? How long in advance would you tell somebody that they should go ahead and, and reach out to the bar? Only two or three days. Uh, the big thing on that is um, just the way staffing works in the bars. It seems like, uh, well, specifically a lesson learned from the pub crawls. If we told them too far in advance, somehow nobody knew about it when we showed up. <laughs> so it's, it's got to be a relatively short term. Right? <laughs> That's very yeah, fair. Yeah. So we'll typically say um, on Monday or Tuesday of the week that you're setting the run, uh, give the bar a call, talk to whoever's there, and uh, try to encourage them to 
pass the word on. Absolutely. And it's it's funny, even with the pub crawl, like I think what I typically see with bar crawls is like the staff just like, I hate this. <laughs> but like funny enough with us, it's like it seems like it's a very relaxed atmosphere even with each bar that we choose and or even each like and even then that goes into something that like how do you choose the bars you want to go to like for things like events like that the pub crawl that one's actually a lot of work um so let's 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 talk <laughs> explain to the uh, the listeners what the pub crawl entails so the pub crawl that we've done each year since 2013 is our uh, 12 pubs of christmas ugly sweater bar crawl uh as the name implies, we do go to 12 bars on a uh, Saturday, so we have to start relatively early. And to um, just be courteous to the bars that are hosting us, we really have to pay attention to the time. We need to show up when we say we're going to show up and leave when we say we're going to leave. Uh, and that takes a heck of a lot of coordination. Uh, we try to keep the paths fairly linear, such that... Um, if we're starting, say, uh, two miles north of downtown, uh, the bars need to be spaced reasonably well such that people can walk to the next bar, get a drink, drink it, and then walk to the following bar and still keep on a time schedule. Uh, in addition, we have found that uh, just based on the sheer numbers that we have, there's no real way for people to go to a bar or restaurant and order dinner and stay on schedule. So we... Um, each year find a bar that does not have a kitchen or does not serve food that'll allow us to order 40 or 50 pizzas in uh, so we can feed everybody very, very quickly. Which, yeah, you've probably seen it out or in. Out or in. Yes, works. Yes, works, yeah. yep. Yep. <laughs> and I, I think even over in Grandview, we had done a Four Strings Brewing one year. Um, but uh, that's... One of the kind of the uh, linchpins of, of the pub crawl is being able to time it so we're getting to the right bar around dinner time, uh, such that we can feed everybody real quick and keep it all moving. Uh, <coughs> yeah, because I mean, twelve bars, you know, yeah. that's 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 a pretty significant time investment for everyone. By the time you get to bar six or seven, we got to get solid food. And yeah, yeah. It's, absolutely and then you have we have a punch card too oh yes uh, yeah <laughs> so that's being a challenge and you know you would think that that not everybody like it, like a pretty good amount of people probably 80 percent probably make, it, make it all the way all the yeah, way they sure do no. <laughs> and, and, and it's one of the coolest things to see uh it's, i mean i've been going to these things i mean going been part of the club for about four years now and like to see I guess we can. I guess can can we call them alumni if they just moved out of state or moved oh, out? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yes. they just come back, and it's like for that <laughs> event, it's like it's like the weeks before. It's like oh, I haven't seen you since last. It's like that's a pub crawl. We're coming back, and it's like yes. <laughs> and it's just like it, it. It seems like oh, it's a homecoming of sorts. It really is. You're absolutely right. There are a number of people that have moved out of the state that come back specifically for the pub crawl, and that's that's always great to see. So before we switch off to a little bit of a different topic here, uh, we have two different options here. We have a, uh, a stout with coconut and bourbon barrel aged, or we have a stout that's just imperial rye barrel aged. Let's go with the imperial rye. That All right. sounds pretty good. I'll cool. grab a couple of fresh glasses. So what we're drinking now is um, 
Lost Love, it's a barrel-aged Imperial Rice Stout from Crux uh, 6221 Bandage Series. This is uh, provided to us... Was that? Green glass. Oh, awesome. This is provided to us by Alex Brooks. Um, we will have him on the pod for our Elite Files uh, soon enough. He just ran a 65.50 in the, uh, for the Columbus Half Marathon. Uh, so had a really great run out there. He sent up some beer uh, ahead of time just so that we can have uh, have some good stuff to drink too. So, and that's actually that's perfect here. That is a nice dark beer right there. Yeah. So, Crux is out of, is it out of Colorado? It might be. Let's check this out. This is out of, actually, Bend, Oregon. That's where it was. Um, so, a little bit of wax on that. And, uh. Cheers. Cheers. Let's try this out. I've never had this one. Very, very sweet. Yeah. I like this. Mm -hmm. A lot of very bold, very, uh, a lot of bitter chocolate coffee. I like it. It's good. Yeah. Um, so kind of to, just to put a little bit of a bow, uh, bow and all this, um, Let's, let's talk about some memories. Some of the, what what are some of your favorite memories from the Short North Run Club? All sorts of stuff. Um, <laughs> so I'll say some of the really cool parts is the number of people that we've had uh, meet up and end up getting married out of the club. Uh, I have a hard time even putting a count to it anymore, but it's been a lot of people um, that have. Uh, yeah, found their match, got married, and even had kids. Yeah. <laughs> I just had <laughs> a, I just went to one this past summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kyle and Corinne, they met at, they met at one of the run clubs. Yeah, they sure that. did, yep. Yeah, I think there there might have been like four running club marriages yeah. last year or something. Yeah. Like it was kind of crazy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that has been really neat. Uh, you know, just uh, going to people's weddings, knowing that they met at the running club, as, uh, you know, it's all kind of, comes down to something that I had started to entertain myself back in 2013. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's really a great part of it. Um, also, just watching, you know, friendships form. And uh, the, a lot of the big satis- satisfaction just comes to, down to the week-in, week-out runs. Um, you know, I think we've all been there where... You get done with work, and the last thing you feel like doing is leaving your house or going out for a run. But you show up, and by God, you feel good when it's all said and done. And there's you know 20 people around you that feel the same way, and it just breathes some life back into you after after a long week. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as somebody that came from a just a competitive running scene and going to this stuff, like it. It provided me a very different view of running that I'd never experienced, and um, to a certain point, it was just it, like college running and or like even just individual competitive running tends to be very selfish. Mm. Where it's here, it's whether you're the first time you ever run, uh, you're just trying to get exercise to people that are just trying to get their policing qualifiers and and just <laughs> trying to get better, and it's been. An amazing to cheer on friends we get to things like i would say the columbus marathon like my experience at the columbus marathon was incredible because throughout the entire route i see people from short north just <laughs> going nuts and 
Um, and even from like, even from the past couple weeks, like we had, I saw Wes run the Columbus Marathon. Jamie just did Cleveland. Like, mm-hmm. and then even, I don't think I would have, I wouldn't have gone into marathoning had it not been for Tim. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Tim actually, he, <laughs> like, he was going to have his, his he was going to run Columbus. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, he was going to run Erie. And uh, he was going to run it as trying to get his PQ. And uh, he's like, he texted me one night and I'm out in the bar. He's like, hey, this is the last night before the price goes up. And I'm like, all right. It's like, Tim, I'm, I, like, I'm, I'll run this marathon. With, like, I'll run this marathon if you're running it. And we all had a place to, like, um, we had a place to stay for that year. And it was a whole thing. And uh, unfortunately, I think one got, uh, he had a baby early. And then his, uh, his buddy got uh, food poisoning. Uh, yeah. And so it's just like, but if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have gone out. And then from there, he goes out and runs like a madman. And I'm like, just mm-hmm. you, you find people to cheer for and you get to know the area. And I think it's something really special about it is like it really goes in tandem with a lot of the things like the community of running here. And, and even just I would say if anybody's trying to get into running and trying to actually like we have a, an appreciation for the entire scene here. Really, the Short North Running Club is is where you go to because you get a chance to get to know the area. And funny enough, a lot of it is the area of the, of the uh, Columbus Marathon. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, is, yes. you go through and it's like, it's my backyard. It's what I've run the entire time. <laughs> and then you just have everybody just, in, like, cheering you on. And there's that kind of camaraderie that comes with going in week in and week out. And there's not even... Whether you're just going out and doing your first half marathon or just looking to have fun, uh, to the people that are trying to take it competitively, there's a little there's there's camaraderie across the board, and uh, it's it's a very beautiful thing that there's, like, I don't know when you get to there's some places and like there's some places some areas where there's a lot of, um, there's about tends to be a lot of elitism with it. Uh, running tends to be a place like that, but it's not like that here. Mm-hmm. So how as somebody that that uh, cultivated this and uh, molded into the what you want, how did you avoid some of those pitfalls that a lot of other places have? So from day one, it was always intended that the club was going to be non-competitive and uh, all-inclusive, <clears throat> and that was like really part of our original mission statement, even. And uh, well, that is also a little bit self-serving because I'm not the fastest guy around, so. <laughs> If it had been ultra competitive, I wouldn't have been able to keep up. But uh, we we try to make a space for everyone without trying to be everything for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if well, uh, especially because it's all self-paced. Um, people have the opportunity to uh, run competitively with somebody if they want to, or run alone if they want to. Um, or just run casually with people, or shortcut, or go a little longer, um, kind of however they want to do it. Uh, a big part of the run club, you know, of course we, we set up a trail, but anyone can go out and run. Mm-hmm. People are coming to the running club for the social aspect of it. So um, they can run the actual run part of it however they want to, and then, uh, then hang around for the social aspect. And uh, we've also found that it's not for everybody. Um, week in, week out, we'll have one or two new people, sometimes three or four new people. And uh, you just run the basic math on that. And if everybody stuck around 
um, you know, from every run. <laughs> we literally have hundreds of people out each week. So you know, we accept that uh, it's, it's not everyone's speed, not everybody's style, and not everybody's going to come back. We do try to make it a welcoming environment for everybody when they do come. And uh, if, if they choose to come back, we're always happy to have them. And a lot of people do come back and keep coming back and keep coming back. There's another aspect to it that's not a typical thing with a lot of places. Uh, I just kind of rethought about this now. The beer check. When did the beer check come into come into play? When did that become a thing? That is another little bit of a carryover from uh, the Hash House Harriers concept. Uh, I actually just ran with the London Hash two Thursdays ago. And um, sure enough, they had a beer check. Uh, it's It's... Not something you do every single time, but it's a pretty typical thing with the hashing clubs. And we do the same here. It's, it's not every single time, but from time to time, we do what we call a beer check. And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, uh, typically three quarters of the way through the trail, we'll stop um, uh, at somebody's house and everybody has a beer and then finishes the run after that. Uh, it's just a nice little way to break up the trails. Um, sometimes in the wintertime, uh, if I have people over here or other people at the fire pit, they'll light a fire and we'll all stand around and chug a beer real quick before going back to the, <laughs> going back to the bar. Uh, and um, it just kind of increases the social element of the run, and it also pulls people back together before you get to the end. You know, in the sense of uh, the fastest of the fast will still be standing there enjoying their beer when the slow people all catch up at the beer check. And then uh, everyone gets back to the bar at, you know, a little bit closer to the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I've had, I've, I've hosted my fair share of beer checks. I think I've had <laughs> one when I was at Unchin and then had a good time with that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, there's, like, different aspects of it. But there is also, I mean, this is beers and miles, but there's also people that don't, that don't even have a drink, and they're still pretty regular oh yeah yeah that is absolutely the case um uh while we have um well typically beers available at every run because <coughs> we go to bars and we do beer checks there's no real pressure to drink beer we don't stand people out front and make them slug back a beer or anything uh so um people that enjoy the social element regardless of whether or not they're uh avid consumers of alcohol they, uh, we do get a lot of them that continue to come out yeah yeah absolutely and it's i mean it's like you said it's all about being inclusive and whether you drink or don't whether you're fast or not whether you're in a runner it's you're still welcome <laughs> and yeah, so as far as uh kind of going into just general advice so um one thing that i've learned like one thing that i realized is like while this may seem normal to have 30 or 40 run clubs and then popping out every week um <laughs> To have two things, to have a club that's been going on for this long, to be going on this consistently, to have some support, is something special. So a lot of places don't have this. A lot of places don't have that opportunity to do it. Um, or just don't know how to start. What would be your advice to them? You know, starting a running club is... Uh... 
there are some parallels to just starting running. You know, it's 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 taking that first step. It's getting out and doing the first thing. And um, do you have to start at a bar? Absolutely not. You know, there's plenty of successful running clubs that'll uh, start at parks or you know do Saturday mornings or even have um, more specific themes like you know say being uh, family friendly or um, uh, geared towards uh, um, you know mothers who have school aged children and would do it at different times to accommodate that sort of thing. Uh, for for me, I chose to uh, go the route of it being a, uh, a social group that um, kind of counts on the uh, young professional demographic. But yeah, it's um, successful clubs certainly don't have to follow that exact uh, uh, template. But um, persistence, you know, just doing it over and over again, and generally getting it right. You know, people understand if you make a mistake from time to time, but you have to be fairly consistent in being successful for people to want to come back. And that's um, uh, making sure the trails are thoughtfully laid out, making sure that, say, construction doesn't um, uh, block people and subsequently get them lost, making sure that the bars that you choose are um, uh, willing to accommodate the size and variety of group that you have coming. And uh, also being very, very consistent with the communication. Um, I think it, it, it's helpful that we have the emails that go out because, you know, it just puts it in front of people. They see, ah, oh, running clubs at bar XYZ this, this week. And um, you know, then choose to go or not uh, based on the location. But uh, the consistency and communication, I think, is also very much key. Uh, and, I mean, that goes with just about anything in life, you know, um, clear and Clear and consistent communication are a key to success. Uh, as things develop, you get a little bit more um, liberty to be creative, so to speak. You know, uh, uh, try to get outside of the comfort zone or start doing you know, events in addition to um, uh, kind of the, uh, the base program, which is exactly how we went. But, you know, I think one of the other things that I'd like to say is we try to keep it very low pressure as well. Um, we don't push people into, say, fundraisers or charity events or make them feel compelled to do something that may make them feel uncomfortable or that, you know, that, that makes them a little, that makes them not want to come back. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is also helpful and it makes it more, um, more inclusive all the way around. Um, you know, we, we don't want to put people in a position where they're you know, feeling obligated to donate money to a charity or they have to sign up for these races. You never know what somebody's mm -hmm. you know, personal financial situation looks like. And sometimes it's just not compatible with people's uh, you know, values or preferences. So I, I think that that is also very helpful, that it, we really do keep it non-competitive and no pressure. You know, everything's at your own pace. If, if people don't show up one week or for two weeks or for 10 weeks, you know, we, we, don't, we don't give them a hard time about it. It's, it's all based on giving people what they want, and uh, that's why they come back. If anything, we're more excited to see them back. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, and I would say this, like, from just a, a member, um, that there's something to be said about the... The leadership style too of it so one thing that i've noticed very clearly is 
there's a bit of a subtlety to you and how you take care, like how you position yourself at Short North Running Club. You're there to do the announcements, and then you don't, you don't, you're not peacocking everywhere. You're talking to everybody, and it's like it's very low pressure. It's like, yeah, yeah, you had a good time, and and it's it's there's no with how big this group is. I think for a lot of people and a lot of different character would be. This would be an ego, like a big, big power trip ego. <laughs> Having 70, 80 people coming to events, like you do, I've seen, I've seen groups where it's like, you know, the figurehead and that's the figurehead and they rule with an iron fist. Here it's <laughs> the inclusivity that you talk about comes all the way to the character of you as well. And it's been really cool to see that there's no, just like even from the very beginning, um, there's no pressure. Like I, I came out as like a post-college guy and, and I was like, never really talked about my running and didn't really say anything. I didn't have the pressure to be able to say anything about running. And and no matter if you're a new person or an old person or a run, new runner, or there's been guys that have come through that have won Footlocker. <laughs> or not, not one Footlocker, that have been made it to Footlocker that yeah. that are ton more talented than I ever even hoped to run and had a high school. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. you're never pressured to be doing that. And... There's a, there's a beauty in that, and I think just kind of put a little bit of my own spin to it, my own narrative as well as from my experience at, at Huff, is really you want it to be a place where people don't feel pressure to do it. Um, running in itself, putting running in your team or your club name <coughs> will always kind of scare people a little bit because it's a running club so it's like all right i'm not fast enough is typically the first thing you hear yes new person comes it's through it's for i'm not fast enough i'm like how fast I just, don't worry about it don't worry about it anytime you put running in, in, in any point time you put that running um running in a name it's always going to scare people but it really all is about just you can feel it with the atmosphere and it really comes down to I would say anybody that's looking to start a run club, you have to be able to understand that it's not about you. It's about the group. Absolutely. And you got to be able to step back from your own ego and say, we want to make this group inclusive. Then we got to make sure it's about the group. It's not about anything else. It's about trying to get everybody to get to know each other. It's about trying to get people to feel comfortable because there's running itself Running itself typically is for a lot of people a very solo endeavor. And whether it is that they are just used to running on their own because they're doing it for their own personal reasons, or they might even be a little bit might have been hesitant to run with other people because they might have a little bit of pressure on themselves and say, like, I don't want to slow you down. That's typically what I hear a lot of. Yes. But it's it's understanding that like you have that and you want to make a group that's gonna be that doesn't feel that and, and and is compelled to come back every week and i don't know it's it, it that's really what i see with a lot of the groups that have continued to grow and continue to be consistent and continue to be stable and continue to bring people back it's not about the running i don't remember <laughs> i don't remember very many runs of the short running club but i remember <laughs> the actual day yes and that's really all that matters like i don't remember how long i ran like three weeks ago or four weeks ago at a short north running club event i don't know i but i do know who i talked to who 
who I got a chance to meet. I've met some of my best friends like throughout this club. I met my roommate. Like, like <laughs> I met Paul. Like my I, Paul got me to be in, in Grandview. Who like we were roommates for like four years, and it wouldn't have happened without this club. Like Wes is one of my favorite people to go visit. Jamie's also one of my favorite people. Like it's Curtis Apple. I saw him at Boston. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like I was up. I was at Boston and I'm getting into the like I lost my friends I look over and it's Chris Apple and he now <laughs> lives in Houston now uh, with his with his girlfriend Natalie and they met at the Shore North Run Club which is in, like it's insane and, and and like and going back to what you were saying like before they left they had a, a run for short the Shore North Run Club as they're, going it, away. as they're going away that a cake <laughs> and it's like they met at the short north running club and i get to see one of them that like i'm freaking out because i can't find my friends and i think that they're waiting for me on the bus ride to uh on the bus ride to try to get started and i'm feeling bad and i have chris apple there just like trying to like talking to me kind of kind of make me distracting me from this and i'm like it's you never know what you're gonna see, and so <laughs> and and it provides a, a a beautiful thing to this whole thing. I like I remember I, I again another Chris Apple story. I'm in D.C. I'm running in D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moral Day 2018, I believe, mm-hmm. and I do a long run and we get into Virginia. Do I go out to Georgetown? Go yeah. out to Virginia, and then coming down and it's Apple. <laughs> so I'm like, what is going on? But it's like, it just it, it's. It's you meet a community more so than yourself, and really, I think that should be the goal for every running club: is realizing that like you have a potential to bring a lot of people together. Yes. And the only time that it's going to be like it's it's going to be only happen if you focus on the community. If you focus on individuals, I think that really is a detriment to the opportunity that you have. Because I think a lot of people tend to do that. They focus on, oh, we have some fast people. And it's like, that's going to be the attractive thing. That's going to be the attractive thing. Or we have like, we have people that do this. And it's like, it's the track. It's like, but if you focus on the community, you focus on being inclusive and you focus on saying like, leave where you go at the door. We're here with welcome. We're here welcoming you wherever you're from. And that has worked amazingly well for us. (laughs) I mean, we've, so many different cities people have come from, so many different like backgrounds people have come from, oh, yeah. so many different industries too, like people, careers, careers, people, backgrounds, cities. It's insane just the amount of just like the amount of different people that have come through this. And it's, it's provided a home for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And even the people that have now since like moved, it's still something that they they always hold in like high esteem and they always talk about coming like wanting to come back to come for the tailgate or coming back for a run or coming mm-hmm. back for the, uh, for the pub crawl. And it's, 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 it's a really cool thing. Yeah. I even, uh, got uh, Facebook messages from a guy, uh, one of our alumni who's in Saudi Arabia oh. and we're, uh, messaging back and forth. And he's like, yeah, hoping to be back in, uh, in January. We'll catch up then for a beer. <laughs> That's from Saudi. Oh my God! <laughs> we, we visited people in Switzerland and Germany, uh, a running club alumni. Yeah, and I mean we've got people all over the all over the world these days, really, that have been part of the Short North Running Club and branched out from here. So it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible, and 
and that's really to say that like anybody that's like like this is the that's the potential wherever you're from and it really just comes down to it like i think what i've taken from this is it really comes down to first and foremost the character of the person like you have to be you have to leave your ego like at the door like if you want to make a club that's inclusive it can't be about you. It's about... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, that's a very good point. It's something I hadn't totally thought of, but there have just been a number of times where what's going through my head is I wouldn't do it that way or yeah, I wouldn't do it at all or I'd do something yeah. different than what uh, somebody's suggesting. And I'd bite my tongue and see how it goes. And honestly, well, I mean, as we're all aware, other people have good ideas. Just because something's different than the way I would do it personally doesn't make it a bad idea. And um, I think, uh, I don't know if you were at the run, there was one at a bar called Whistle and Keg, which is kind of an atypical format mm -hmm. for a bar. And, um, you know, my initial thing was like, oh, this is never going to work. It's going to be awful. Turns out we go there. You know, well, once again, I bit my tongue. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Let the guy set the trail. And it turned out great. Like, everything went like clockwork. It's like, all right, and this is why I bite my tongue and don't say stuff because my opinions are not, you know, overarching. You know, they, um, like you said, it's, it's not about ruling with an iron fist. It's, it's just making sure that we're generally staying on the right path mm -hmm. and um, giving people an opportunity to do something different. And a lot of times that's successful. Yeah. And I think another thing that, that really does come down, like, like really needs to be uh, like can't be understated is <clears throat> there's planning you can't just oh, say you you can't just say that i'm gonna that you're gonna do a run and that's gonna be the start in the run club like you have to have <clears throat> well you said it you said it multiple times consistency yes and consistency comes with planning you have to be able to plan out specific things like there has to be a method to the madness your decision to make it on Thursdays at that time, yes. your decision to make it exactly where it's with the places that you wanted to go to. That's a thing that's very much understated in people trying to start a run club. Every, like, it seems like every bar wants to start a run club or every restaurant wants to start a club because it's a way for them to get people on, on slow, slow yeah. nights. Yeah. Get them in the door. Yep. Exactly. And <laughs> the thing is, it's like, yeah, you can give somebody a people like, you can give somebody a free drink, but it's going to keep them going back. And the only thing that's going to keep them coming back, it's like I'm coming back to a place because I enjoy being there. Yes. Not because I get a free drink. You got that right. Like, <laughs> free drink only goes so far. Yeah, especially when you start getting into your like your late 20s crowd. Like, mm -hmm. that, I can afford a free drink. <laughs> it's fine. But that's also like, that's my, that's my Thursday night. Yes. <laughs> like, am I going to actually spend my, like, how I choose to spend my time is valuable. And I think it should be for everybody. And mm -hmm. so you have to really put it in terms of that is like the people that are going to go to your run club, their time is valuable. Mm -hmm. Make it memorable. Yes. And it doesn't have to be some kind of hoorah, this kind of thing. It just has to be something that's going to be something that they, I, and that they enjoy. That, that ties it all together. Yeah, that ties it all together. So I, I think we've gone through, I think we've gone through pretty much the everything for the run club. So uh, we typically do some fun stuff at the end of, the, at the, end of it. So um, I, it's beers and miles. So I always have to ask, uh, your favorite beer? 
favorite beer and favorite go-to drinking beer. Just like if I just had a beer <laughs> like available at any time, I'll drink that all the time. I'd say my favorite beer, especially in the wintertime, is going to be a St. Bernardus uh, number 12. That's that quad is incredible. <laughs> yes. I see you're a man of culture. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, got to be my all-time favorite right there. Now, as far as just the um, uh, kind of the workhorse general purpose drinking mm-hmm. beer. Oh, you know, that's a tough one because I mix things up quite a bit. I, uh, uh, if it's... Um, Say a weeknight, I'm just going to have one beer, but I want it to be a really good one. It's probably going to be a uh, H. Schlenkerla uh, smoked beer from Bamberg, Germany. Yeah, love the smoked beers. It's the only style <laughs> beer that I absolutely hate. Really? Oh, man. So you haven't been to the brewery. Right? Uh, <laughs> and here's the brewery mug. Oh, the uh, that's the, yeah, the Rosh beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have I. Can't say that I've had that one, even though it's like, it's everywhere. And this is another one in Bamberg also that we went to the brewery. This one you can't find in the States that I'm aware of. Um, but, uh, and then if we're, uh, we're really getting into a nice warm Saturday afternoon tailgate, honestly, Bud Light does the trick. <laughs> <laughs> and I see there's a St. Bernard's triple back there as oh, well. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, Just yeah, hanging out there. Triple, yeah, triple Carmelot. Um, there's a Schlenker lot back behind there. Way too much booze on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of beer, is there a particular type of liqueur or a, uh, a type of spirit that you enjoy? So, as far as the real enjoyment, and you're going to hate this one too, the, the really peaty, smoky scotches. Yeah, I, I, I like those quite a bit. Any one in particular? Uh, Lafroy is a uh, is a great one. Ardbeg, also a good one. Um, and uh, Talisker. Uh, some some decent Talisker out there. But, yeah, the um, that Talisker dark storm that you see up there mm-hmm. in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we'll uh, tell that into your uh, most memorable drinking experience in the world. If so, because you're you're well traveled. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're well traveled. So like, if and like, what's something for you that's one of the most memorable drinking experiences you've had? Uh, let's see. So one of the most memorable would be going to the West Vleteren, uh Monastery and uh, drinking there. <laughs> oh. Do they all your drink there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they've actually got a uh, like a brew house. There. Oh. Yeah. So you get West Virginia in twelve there. And sure do. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I have a but like I call him my my second uh, my second dad or my second parents. Uh, when I moved to Ohio, they live up in uh, Bowling Green, and uh, they had like a case of like twelve under oh. their bed. They just like <laughs> like probably some of them are ten years old, and oh, this wow. is like it's they they fell in love with beer because of quads. Yes. And they went from there. <laughs> and so every time I go back, I'm like, it's that's how I found out about beer. Like, that's how I fell in love with the beer culture was them. Oh, nice. It was like figuring yeah. out about like quads, figuring out going there. And then you get into the crazy stuff or like this, I guess now the stupid stuff now here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, as far as uh, most memorable running experience, because it's beers and miles. Yes. So, most memorable would have been probably the 
San Diego Marathon that I ran with my sister. Um, it was a number of years ago. And uh, I won't say it was memorable because it was the best marathon ever, but it was very memorable because it was, I think they said, the hottest year that they had on record for the marathon. And um, the last uh, seven miles of it or so were just on the beach. And um, it was brutally hot and absolutely miserable. <laughs> but at least at mile 21, my dear sweet wife had a 24-ounce can of Bud Light for me to pound. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was enough that I actually finished and wasn't totally embarrassed about the time. <laughs> uh, with those travels, what has been your favorite run club that you've been to out of Colum- outside of Columbus? I was going to say, yeah, you have to say yeah, no, Except I, the short yeah, yeah, running yeah. club. <laughs> uh, I think I'd have to just go back to... Um, that's a tough one. Because there's a lot of different you, you can name You can name a couple. Clubs. Yeah. Um, for the most part, the different hash clubs, that I, or hash house area run mm-hmm. clubs uh, that I've been to... London has a great hash. Um, Philadelphia, uh, back in the day, had an amazing hash club. And, of course, Washington, D.C. Um, I ran with the D.C. club and the Philadelphia club pretty regularly for you know, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, just great people, good atmosphere. Um, always uh, very lively, plenty of events. And it's it's the way you make friends that you'll keep for the rest of your life. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've met... Friends, I'll keep the rest of my life here, and will most likely be in my wedding, yep. and if they like. So, um, <laughs> having said that, let's close it out. Any, any, any final, final comments from you? Oh, not a whole lot. It's pretty much if 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 I'm talking to somebody that's looking to start a running club, the key is just to start. It's it's taking that first step is really it, and then from there, uh, giving the people what they want, and they'll keep on coming back. Absolutely. So, uh, tell tell the people we're gonna close this out. Uh, where can they follow the Short North Running Club? Uh, where what tell them what day it is and everything like that. So uh, we um, we run every Thursday in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we meet at a different bar at six thirty p.m. with runs starting at at six forty five. We run three to five miles per week. Our website is www.shortnorthrunningclub.com. Uh, no need to spell that out for you. Uh, <laughs> or you can uh, just search Short North Run Club on Google or Facebook, and it'll pop up for you. We publish the runs on the Facebook page, the website, and we do have an email list as well. Absolutely. And uh, you can follow me at Beards and Miles at BeardsandMiles.com. I'm going to be getting my Boston uh, recap up. been doing a bunch of posts this past week of just kind of breaking down the race pictures, uh, I'll end up putting something together. Um, and then from there, we'll have some podcasts coming up as well. Uh, a Chicago and a Boston recap and wine glass recap. Uh, we might have a past special guest that we're hoping to bring back on that uh, you guys will be really excited about. And then from there, uh, we have some fun things coming up. Um, and I think at this point, we're going to have the Ethan 
Herman podcast out. So if you guys enjoyed that, feel free to leave a review. Uh, we'd appreciate that or repost it on your story. And then, uh, yeah, we have some other stuff going up. So we have the Alex Brooks podcast. We have going to have recording going forward. And as always, if you guys have any ideas for podcast topics, podcast ideas, shoot them to beardsandmiles at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate it. Again, follow me on Beards and Miles at Beards and Miles at beardsandmiles.com. Ope Athletic Club is now a thing as well. If you like racing, no matter who you're affiliated with, we appreciate you guys being a part of it. We want to create an entirety of a, a very inclusive racing specific group and uh, just to be able to support each other all throughout the Midwest. Uh, but other than that, we appreciate you guys listening and we'll talk to you next time. See ya.